Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be previewing this week's RBC Canadian Open 2023 edition. It is the week before the U.S. Open, so with the placement on the schedule of being between an elevated event and a major, the RBC Canadian Open has a decent field. It's definitely one of the better fields we've seen for a non-elevated event. Uh, so we've got some of golf's brightest stars making the trip up to the Great White North, so it should be a good one this week. Here on this episode, we are going to break down this golf term in a myriad of ways. We are going to first break down the golf course itself, Oakdale Golf and Country Club, which is a brand new host site. And then we are going to break down what types of golfers should fare well at this course here this week, whether you are playing DFS, whether you are betting, or whether you are playing one and done. Um, also, we're going to make a few kind of suggestions for draft formats and player props. Um, if you are interested in either drafts or player props, I highly suggest doing it on Underdog. Uh, if you've never played on Underdog Fantasy before, please use the promo code that is in the link on my Twitter um, pinned tweet at Mike's Money Picks. Um, you will get your first deposit matched up to $100 if you use that promo code. Uh, and I'm also going to be tweeting out some of my best uh, underdog picks of the week uh, as the week goes by and they, you know, kind of release those prop numbers. So make sure you stay tuned for that. That will be on my Twitter feed at Mike's Money Picks. Speaking of feeds, Next week is U.S. Open Week, so make sure you are subscribed to the podcast feed. That way you'll be notified when new episodes drop, and we're going to have quite a lot of content coming your way next week for uh, golf's third major of the year. I had to think in my head real quick whether it was the second or third major. It is the third major of the calendar year. Now, lastly... We also have some season-long fantasy football content on the podcast. It is not too early to start preparing for your draft. If you are interested in playing best ball fantasy football, which again, you can play on Underdog, we've got our top five best ball strategies up, and then we've also got our top 20 for the big board rankings heading into 2023 up on the podcast feed. So just make sure you scroll down in the feed, find the episode that you want, and go get it. Here at Mike's Money Picks, we're going to provide a wide menu of different sports. Pick and choose the ones that you like. I'm just going to recommend them to you. Go give those NFL uh, podcasts. So listen, we're going to have more season-long fantasy football content coming your way. Now, as I say every week, you will not find a more comprehensive preview of a golf tournament in 30 minutes or less than what you can find here on Mike's Money Picks. So go ahead, get your timer ready, go ahead and put 30 minutes on it, get ready to start. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. All right, so the 2023 RBC Canadian Open is going to be at Oakdale Golf and Country Club in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. This is a brand new host site. There actually was not a 2021 or 2020 edition of this tournament due to the COVID-19 pandemic, which kind of jacked the schedule up. The tournament had been held at Glen Abbey through pretty much all of the 2000s until the mid-2010s, and then they started switching it up. Um, but with the COVID pandemics, you know, kind of changing everything for this tournament, last year, St. George's, also in Toronto, hosted... And so now this year, you're seeing another course in Toronto in Oakdale host, which Oakdale has never hosted a professional event. It's actually got 27 holes on the property. And so this is going to be a composite course of those 27 holes. They're going to make up what you see this week. Now, on the scorecard, it is listed as a par 72. And pretty much with where they can vary the tee boxes with this being like a first-time host, it can range anywhere from 7,265 yards to about 7,400 yards at its very longest, which means that... All things considered, for a par 72, this is not a long golf course. It only features three par threes and three par fives, so a lot of the scoring is going to be half to done on the 12 par fours. Now, in terms of distance, 
all of the par threes are going to average about 190 yards. Uh, and the par fives are all going to be reachable in two shots for pretty much all of the golfers in the field. Now, the par fours, there's kind of a little bit of stratification. The average length is a, about 420 yards, uh, but two of them are longer than 500. And there are many of them that are shorter than 400. So you're not really seeing a whole lot of mid-range par fours. It's either short par fours or long par fours. The greens themselves are bent grass with a little bit of a poa blend, which is pretty common in kind of um, the northern region that you're seeing, you know, for Toronto. You kind of see this with a lot of courses that are in the Midwest, like the Great Lakes areas. Now, the defining feature this week, from everything I can tell, is the super thick rough. The Canadian Open kind of prides themselves on preparing um, the golfers for the U.S. Open the next week. And what is the U.S. Open known for? Super thick rough. So you're going to see that a little bit this week with the rough a little bit grown out. So you do not want to miss the fairway, which shouldn't be too much to ask because these fairways are about average width. They're about the same width as what we saw at Oak Hill a few weeks ago for the PGA Championship. Now, one thing that is going to be a little different in terms of the um, – setup of these golf holes is there's going to be a lot of elevation change. There are a lot of elevated tee boxes into valleys for the, the fairways are in and then back up hills into the greens. Um, so you're you know going to have a lot of approach shots into elevated greens where you're going to have to be calculating elevation change as a part of your distances. This is actually a fairly common feature on a lot of the TPC courses because they think that it makes for good tournament viewing, even though I would say that elevation changes are a little more pronounced on this course than a lot of the courses that you know are the TPC style. Now, the formula for success this week is going to be keep it in the fairway off the tee, hit a lot of greens, and make a lot of birdie putts. Just kind of looking at the scorecard and looking at the flyovers, I expect this week to be a birdie fest. I expect the winning score to be in the minus 20s. Um, St. George's, which is the host site last year, is known to be a much more difficult golf course than this one. And Rory McIlroy won that tournament at minus 19. So I really think that we're going to end up getting into the minus 20s this week. Now, last year also... The cream really rose to the top in terms of the field. The top 10 ended up being super chalky with the field that showed up. The entire top 10 was McElroy, Finau, Thomas, Sam Burns, Justin Rose, Corey Connors, Wyndham Clark, Chris Kirk, Keith Mitchell, Shane Lowry, Matt Fitzpatrick, and Danny Lee. Yeah, that's like pretty much some of the best golfers that showed up last year. So, um, I definitely think it's going to be important this week when you look at making your betting card or filling out your DFS lineups, getting the top right, because I do think that it's going to tend to be one of the better golfers in the field that does win. Now, this is the Canadian National Open, and so Canadians tend to play pretty well in this tournament as a whole, but no Canadian has actually won this tournament in about 50 years. There's a lot of pressure on Canadian golfers to win this tournament. Golf in Canada is not like a super big thing, but the fans are passionate, and so there is going to be some extra media attention and kind of just extra scrutiny for the Canadian golfers this week as they play in their national open. Now, in terms of comp courses, I think that the word that tournament was held last year at St. George's is a pretty good comparison. You know, if you look on Google Maps, it's only a 20-minute drive away. Uh, and so while I think that you know, when you look at this tournament, you got to know that it's not at the same course. Event history is different from course history. I do think that last year's site for the 2022 RBC Canadian Open is a pretty good comparison to this one. So I would not mind looking at last year's results to kind of get a little bit of a read on things. Now, if we're looking at Google Maps, right, just kind of looking at what other courses are kind of near this one in Toronto. Oak Hill, so host of the PGA Championships, only three hours away. Um, I think the agronomy is pretty similar in terms of like the style of grass that's being used, but I, I, it's not a similar setup. You know, that's a major championship played much more difficult, a um, lot more hazards, just not that similar other than the agronomy. Now, geographically and setup wise, 
I think that the best comparison is Detroit Golf Club. It's at par 72. It's not super long. It had a super low winning score. I think the only complaint I would have in terms of using that as a comp course is the Detroit Golf Club is a lot flatter than this one is. I mean, Detroit Golf Club looks like a driving range, how flat it is. So I think that that would be probably the most natural comparison. And when you compare leaderboards, Tony Finau was runner-up at St. George's last year, and he won at Detroit Golf Club last year. Uh, and also notable, Cameron Young and Taylor Pendrith finished second and third in that tournament at uh, Detroit Golf Club last year and they are in this field. Now, I think that another viable comp course, it is going to look nothing like this course. Um, it's not similar grass styles, but I think Pebble Beach is a pretty solid comparison because I think when you look at a majority of the par fours on this course, they're going to be driver wedge holes where there is no reason for these guys to lay up and hit less than driver off the tee. And so they're going to give themselves wedges into greens and being able to put yourselves in the right spot on these greens and hit those putts is kind of similar to the skill set that's asked of you at Pebble Beach. So I don't think that that's necessarily like a pure apples to apples comparison, but it is another one I'm looking at because at the end of the day, what this golf course is going to ask of you is you're going to have to hit fairways to stay out of the rough. You're going to have to hit greens to give yourself opportunities for birdies, and you're going to have to knock in those birdies if you want to win this tournament because this is going to be a super low scoring week at Oakdale. All right, so that does it for the course preview. So let's go ahead and take a quick breather and then let's start talking about some golfers. All right, so looking at the field, I think there is a clear top 10 golfers that are showing up here at this tournament this week, which is something that is important to keep in mind if you are you know, in any kind of pool or any kind of draft format, because I really think that there's a little bit of fall off after 10. In fact, if you were to find like a nine person draft, the person who picks ninth is not at a disadvantage because they're going to be able to get two of those top 10 guys. I really think that when you look at the betting board, when you look at the salaries on DraftKings and FanDuel, after Sahit Tagawa, I think there's a clear drop off in terms of win equity. And so I think what you're going to see a lot of people do this week, what I'm going to be doing in a lot of my lineups this week, is trying to secure two of those top 10 guys in my lineup. I really think you could go for three if you're being super aggressive, but it would be really difficult unless it's three that are in the 9K range because I do not see the same kind of 6K value on DraftKings this week that there was last week. So it would definitely be pretty difficult to fill out a lineup if you want to squeeze three of these top 10 guys into it. Now, let's break down those top 10 guys. So the best golfer in the field is Rory McIlroy, and I don't think that's much of a question. He's at the top of the betting board. He's actually the back-to-back -back champion of this event, but it's at two different courses, uh, and it dates back to 2019, and neither of which are, are this golf course. So I don't really know how much you can draw off of that. Um, but I mean, Rory, just he's the best in the field, y'all. Like he's coming off of back-to-back -back top seven finishes, which some would call actually disappointing. Like if we're being honest, at the PGA, his real downfall was course management. He kind of just was a little bit too aggressive and left himself short-sighted when he missed a lot of those greens and just didn't give himself the best opportunity to make pars and had too many bogeys. Uh, now at the Memorial last week, his downfall was his distance control with his short irons and wedges, which I know what some of y'all are probably thinking. Well, you just said this was going to be a driver wedge golf course. That is not a good sign. Well, here's the thing. If you know that that's the skill that's going to be required of you to win, you're going to work on it. And I really think that Rory 
if he wants to win this week, he's going to have to have those irons and those wedges dialed in. And I think that he can do that. Like that's a skill set that he's shown in his career. I don't know what happened last week at the Memorial. I don't know if it's indicative of a bigger problem, but I do think that he is still the most talented golfer in this field. He's also, this is kind of like a niche stat, but he also ranks as the best golfer in the field in strokes gained total in the week right before a major. But I definitely don't mind paying up for Rory in DFS. Uh, And because of kind of the, you know, good but yet also disappointing finishes. I really don't know what his ownership in DFS will be. I don't think we're going to see like a John Rahm in Mexico situation where he's about 40, 50%. I just don't know what to make of it, but I do not mind going with Rory this week. Now, I'll be honest, I expected Tyrrell Hatton to be second on the board in salary on DraftKings, much like he is on FanDuel, but instead it sits at Sam Burns, who I was hoping to get a little bit more of a discount on. Sam Burns was T4 at the RBC Canadian Open last year. He's coming off a back-to-back top 20 finishes, and Sam Burns is a guy who really can get hot with his irons and wedges and is always an above-average putter, so I really don't mind going with Sam Burns at all. I was just hoping to get a little bit more of a discount from Rory. Maybe his ownership gets squeezed out a little bit because of that. Tyrrell Hatton who's right below Sam Burns on DraftKings, has actually been the most consistent player in the field in terms of finishing positions in the last three months. He's coming off of five straight top 20 finishes, and Tyrrell Haddon is an elite approach player. You know, if this is going to be a driver wedge course, you're going to have to be elite with your wedges if you want to win. Uh, and so I think that definitely plays very well into Tyrrell Hatton's skill set. And he might end up being the highest owned player on DraftKings because he is third in salary with possibly the most upside. Now, Matt Fitzpatrick is next up, and he finished T10 in this tournament last year before winning the U.S. Open the next week. So, you know, kind of good vibes heading into this tournament for him. He knows what it can do for you in terms of kind of um, giving you a little bit of a springboard into the next week. Now, at the Memorial, he only had one round that was over par. He just shot a terrible 76 on Thursday, which really hurt his chances, but he really rallied over Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for a T9. Kind of, if he had brought the same game on Thursday that he had Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, he would have had a real chance to win that golf tournament. And so what you're seeing with Matt Fitzpatrick over the course of that golf tournament and over the course of really the last three months as a whole, he's been super inconsistent. But I still think that, you know, in terms of pure ceiling, I think it's probably the second highest out of anyone in this field aside from Rory McIlroy. When his game is really clicking, he gets it clicking in all aspects, off the tee, approach, Uh, around the green and putting and so for that reason I really do think he profiles well for this course he's a very accurate golfer which is going to give himself plenty of opportunities in the fairway to hit plenty of greens which would give himself ability to knock down birdie putts which he has the ability to do so so I really do like Matt Fitzpatrick just know that he does not give you the same level of safety that either the top three guys do coming in Now, Corey Connors is an interesting spot because he is the best Canadian heading into this tournament. He's going to be the one with the national pressure on him to try to bring this one home for Canada. And he was sixth place in last year's tournament, but he was never really in contention. He really just rallied on Sunday. Now, here's where this kind of doesn't make sense for Corey Connors to me. Um, I expect this tournament to be a birdie fest, right? And birdie fests in his career have been both good and bad for Corey Connors. Good because he's going to hit a lot of fairways and hit a lot of greens and give himself a lot of birdie putts. Bad because he's generally not a pretty good putter. However, he does have some spike weeks with the putter, which he had at the Valero Texas Open twice in his career, actually, which he had at the PGA Championship and really just a few unlucky shots and he would have been top five at that golf tournament. So I really do think that This is not the worst setup in the world for Connors, but he's going to have to putt well, which is something that you really 
not likely to get from him if you if you want him to win this tournament. I think it's much more likely that he comes in like 15th place than anything. Like I think he's a really safe play in DFS. I think he is a really safe top 20 or to make the cut bet, um, but I don't really think he has the upside to win this golf tournament. Now, Justin Rose is a guy that I like a lot, he, and he's also probably going to be very popular in DFS formats for a very good reason. Five of his last six starts on tour top 25 finishes, and the one that wasn't was only 36. He is one of the best putters on bent grass in the world, um, and he also kind of fits this setup pretty well. He won at Pebble Beach earlier this year, which I said was another driver wedge course, and then he was also T4 in this tournament last year, which again was at a different site, but it's you know pretty similar to only 20 minutes away, um, and he did shoot a 62 on Sunday for the low round of the tournament. So I really do like Justin Rose. Just know that he's going to come in with a lot of ownership. Tommy Fleetwood is the guy in this field that I don't quite know what to make of. He had a pretty ugly missed cut at the Charles Schwab Challenge, but prior to that, he had three straight top 20 finishes. Personally, I would prefer to either pay up a little more for Rose or pay down a little more for Lowry. I don't know if a lot of other people are going to share that sentiment as well. I know Tommy Fleetwood is generally a pretty popular play in DFS, um, but if you're betting somebody to win, I'd rather bet Rose or Lowry. If you're playing somebody in DFS, I'd rather go Rose or Lowry. Um, so again, if that ends up happening, his ownership ends up getting and squeeze that makes him a great play in DFS but I just think the other two guys are coming in with a little better situations than he is now Shane Lowry grinded for a t16 at the memorial but to me this sets up really well for him he was t10 in this tournament last year and the two clubs that he's best was in his bag are his driver and his wedges what is he going to use a lot this week his driver and his wedges I love the setup for Shane Lowry it would not shock me to see him win this golf tournament now, after Lowry is when we still see the back end of this top 10 that I mentioned earlier. We're still above the cliff, but these are some guys that have a little bit of red flags. The, the first of which is Cameron Young, who has missed back-to-back -back cuts and only has one finish in the top 50 in his last six starts. However, the good news is this may lead to ownership being down on Cam Young. But to me, this setup actually fits him pretty well. Like distance is not like a super huge advantage for him like it can be at other courses, but it's going to allow him to go driver wedge where he's going to have really good looks to hit greens, which the driver wedge setup has fit him really well in his career. He's played well at Detroit Golf Club. He played well at St. Andrews last summer, another kind of driver wedge setup the way he was hitting it at least. Um, and he finished top three in both those tournaments. So I really do think the setup's good for him. He's going to have to hit more fairways than he's been hitting recently. He's His downfall has really been he hasn't given himself enough opportunities by hitting fairways. So if, if Cam Young shows up and we see on Thursday that he's got it dialed in, I really think he's a good live bet opportunity because you're going to know probably about eight holes in whether or not he's going to have a chance to win this tournament. Now, Sahit Tagawa is a roller coaster to follow. He is the perfect play in showdown because he's, he's either going to shoot like a 67 or like a 75. There's really not much in between with Sahith. Um, And I really think that if he can just string four rounds together, this could be the site of his first victory. Like he has the potential to go absolute scorched earth with his approach play. And he has the putting, the, the putting ability to cash it in if his approach play goes nuclear. So I really do like this setup for Sahith. And, and I think he's a sneaky bet to win this golf tournament. Now that ends the top 10 
And so I really think there's a little bit of a cliff and a little bit of a fall off to kind of the next tier of golfers. I think that Matt Kuchar and Keith Mitchell, who are kind of right next in line, are going to get squeezed down in ownership and DFS because, at least in my opinion, I think there's a big drop off after Sahith. Um, however, I do think there's merits to both those guys, though, especially if their ownership is going to be down. It feels like it could be a good setup for Matt Kuchar. He's not the longest guy in the world. And so, you know, a course that's a little bit shorter, a course that's not going to ask you to hit long irons or, or in his case, hybrids into greens is not going to be hurtful for him. And at the Memorial, he actually kind of played deceptively good golf. If you look at just his Friday and Saturday rounds, he was eight under par. The issue is he was 19 over par combined on Thursday and Sunday. So um, if he can just bring Friday and Saturday Matt Kudra, he's going to be in great shape. But he's a guy who's just in complete control of his golf game when, he, when everything is clicking. And just that amount of control is going to allow him to get plenty of looks at birdie. And, and I think he still does have the ability with the short stick to knock down some of those birdie putts. Now, Keith Mitchell is the last one before we take a quick breather. Uh, you know, I've always mentioned here on this podcast, the Rory comp, like for whatever reason, Keith Mitchell plays well at courses that Rory McIlroy plays well at. Why? I, I can't explain exactly. I mean, they're both great drivers of the golf ball, but they're not similar people in any other regard. Um, but Keith Mitchell was T7 in this tournament last year, which was won by Rory McIlroy. And Keith Mitchell's shown an ability to succeed at driver wedge setups. He played well with a T4 at Pebble Beach earlier this calendar year, which was another driver wedge setup. So if he can keep it in play off the tee, which Keith generally pretty does. Keith is one of those guys who is long and accurate with the driver. I really do think this sets up well for Keith Mitchell, and I really like him if ownership is down because a lot of people are paying up for that top 10. All right, so that does it for the top of the board. Let's take a quick breather, and then let's break down some value plays. All right, so when we're looking for values here, the AK range on DraftKings has a lot of known Canadians and then a lot of unknown quantities who are not North American. So it's really just kind of like a guessing game of what you want to go with because there's really a lot of variability with this range. Now, for the Canadians, I don't think this is a great setup for Adam Hadwin. He's generally a great play where par is a great score, you know, kind of like U.S. Open type setups. This is not that. Um, so I'm probably going to pass on Adam Hadwin this week. But I do like the setup for Adam Svensson and Nick Taylor, neither of whom are very long off the tee, but both of whom are good in their approach play and have had spike approach weeks in the last calendar year. Nick Taylor, you know, playing very well at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Adam Svensson winning the RSM Classic, which is another shorter, you know, kind of approach like um, what's the word I'm looking for? Approach geared golf course, I guess you could say. Uh, and then Nick Taylor has a win earlier in his career at Pebble Beach. So I really do like the setup for both those Canadians this week. Now for the unknown quantities, we've got Adrian Moronk, who's a multiple winner on the DP World Tour, who is playing here to get an extra week in North America before the US Open. I just think he's really talented and I'm kind of willing to, one of the themes for me this week in terms of guys that I play in my DFS lineups is that I'm going to bet on talent. When, when there's a lot of unknown quantities, the guys who are better and more talented tend to play better. So I kind of think that this is one of those situations where if you can win twice on the DP World Tour, then you can win in this field. And so I definitely think that this is a good spot for Adrian Moronk. Now, Nikolai Hoygaard is another European who's very young, very raw. Um, and he has more events in North America than Moronk, but I think Moronk's significantly a better player. Hoygaard can be a little wild and inaccurate off the tee, which really can hurt him at this setup where I really do think they're going to try to grow that rough out and make it more U.S. Open-like. So I'm not liking this for Nikolai Hoygaard this week. I'd rather pay up for Adrian Moronk. Now, Ludwig Aberg is the ultimate unknown quantity. 
He just got his tour card this week from PGA Tour University, which means he was the number one ranked golfer in the NCAA when the season ended. Um, and he's played two events this season on the PGA Tour at the Valspar Championship and Bay Hill, um, the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And he made the cut in both top 25 at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. That's an elevated event, which is pretty impressive. Now, again, this is a situation where I'm willing to bet on talent, right? Like he's clearly very good at golf if he's number one as a college golfer. And we've seen guys come in right out of college and just light the world on fire and be very good. Do I think he's going to win this week in his first start with a card? No, but it, you know, on DraftKings, he doesn't need to win to pay off value. Honestly, I would have preferred him to be a little cheaper. It would have made it a little bit easier to click him, but I guess that's why they priced him up, right? Uh, and so I definitely do think this is a solid spot for him. I'm hoping that the fact that he's a little bit of an unknown will scare other people away, but I'm willing to bet on that talent. I'm willing to take that risk with Ludwig Oberg. All right, now kind of going over some other value plays. Joseph Bramlett is a guy I like this week a lot. He's great with a driver in his hand, and he plays his best at short courses, checks a lot of boxes this week. Now, heading down to the 7K range, Eric Cole is my favorite play in this range entirely on DraftKings, which probably means he's going to be pretty popular, but everything lines up well for him. This season, his two best finishes are 15th at the PGA Championship and runner-up at the Honda Classic. Both of those are courses where accuracy off the tee and accuracy on approach are at a premium. And so, you know, if you can score well at those two courses, then you can score well here, except there's just less trouble lurking here. There's less big numbers lurking here than at both those courses. So if he's able to, you know, kind of keep his accuracy dialed in like he did those two weeks, it should lead to a lot of birdies this week. Whereas in those weeks, it led to a lot of birdies and then occasionally some slip ups with pars and bogeys. Now, Taylor Pendrith is another Canadian, and I kind of do like Taylor Pendrith this week. Recent form has been pretty bad, but in his career, he does his best work at birdie fests. He has really good performances at the Rocket Mortgage Classic with you know Detroit Golf Club, and he also has good performances at Pebble Beach. So I, I kind of think this should be a pretty good setup on paper for Taylor Pendrith. Harry Hall's a guy who's coming off of a third-place finish at the Charles Schwab Challenge. He's probably going to be a fade for me this week, if I'm being totally honest. Now, don't get me wrong. He has an elite short game. Like He's going to be a solid PGA Tour player, but right now... Like he's relying on his short game to finish well. And, you know, this is the week where if you're relying on your short game this week, that's not a good sign because you're not going to be making birdies. And so I just kind of think that the path to victory is very narrow for Harry Hall. I don't think this setup is going to be the best for him. Uh, and so I'm willing to pass and let everybody else play him off of that third place finish. Now, Sam Stevens and Lee Hodges are both guys that, you know, I've kind of played a lot recently. You know, they both kind of do their best work on long and difficult golf courses. This is not that. Like, they're playing great. The recent form is good, but I don't know how well the course fits them. If you're more of a recent form person than a course fit, a course, you know, kind of data type of person, then by all means, go for it. Sam Stevens and Lee Hodges, they're playing good golf. But I just don't know if this course sets up particularly well for either of their two games. Now, the exact price tag of $7,300 on DraftKings has three guys that I like a lot, and that's Ben Martin, Mark Hubbard, and Nate Lashley. Ben Martin is cooling off of his hot streak that he had to start the year, but his skill set, which is just approach play, approach play, approach play, really fits this place well, in my opinion, and if he can have a good week with the putter, he could look at a really good finish at the end of the week. Now, Mark Hubbard, of those three, is coming in with the best recent form. He was 30th at the Memorial, thanks to a crappy Sunday. He was in contention on Saturday, like at the top page of the leaderboard. It just kind of faded on Sunday. It was kind of disappointing because I did have him in a lot of lineups. 
Um, he was ninth at the Charles Schwab Challenge recently, which is another course that asks you to be accurate and asks you to hit a lot of greens, right? And he has been hitting a lot of greens, which I think is going to lead him to plenty of opportunities to make birdies this week, of which I think he's more than capable of doing. Now, Nate Lashley is at the same price tag, and he is the comp course guy. He has a great history at Detroit Golf Club and Pebble Beach. He's just a guy who kind of like Joseph Bramlett, driver and wedge are kind of his thing. And so I kind of think that this is a good spot for Nate Lashley. Now, in this order, if I was ranking them and kind of, you know, thinking about what my exposure is going to look like for this week, I would probably have it Hubbard, Lashley, Martin. Um, I really do like Mark Hubbard. Now, granted, that probably means the ownership is going to be pretty similar in that order as well. So plan accordingly if you're playing DFS, but I really do like Mark Hubbard this week. Now, down below 7,300, again, my agenda for the week, bet on talent. And Akshay Batia is a guy I mentioned here on the podcast before. I think he's super talented. I'm going to keep playing him in DFS. He let me down with a missed cut at the Memorial. I would have had a lot of six for sixes if he could have just held it together on the back nine on Friday. But alas, it was just not meant to be. Um, I think that this is a pretty good setup for him, right? Like, he's a guy who can have spike approach weeks. He can have spike putting weeks. Um, with the driver, as long as he can just keep it controlled, he's going to be okay. It's not going to be asking him to drive at 300 every time. Like He just needs to be controlled and hitting fairways. And if you ever have questions about his approach play, like remember, when he first started getting national attention, which was one of my best weeks playing PGA DFS ever because I had him and nobody had him at Pebble Beach. He had all 18 greens at Pebble Beach in 2021. And so um, if you can do that, then you by all means, you can do that here at a birdie fest at Oakdale. And just if he can roll in enough of those putts, he's going to be looking really good this week. That's Akshay Batia. Now, Garrett Kigo is another guy who I think is pretty darn talented. He's one on the PGA Tour. Um, he's got two top 30s in his last three. No one ever plays Gary Kigo simply because he's so volatile, but I kind of think that his game's rounding into form, and you know he's pretty good with a driver in his hand, and his approach play can be good like it was at when he won at the Palmetto Championship, so I kind of do like this spot for Gary Kigo. I'm probably going to have just a little bit of him this week. Now, C.T. Pan is coming off of a fourth-place finish at the Byron Nelson, from which he had a long layover like per, until his last event. Um, now, it's a much different setup from what you're going to see this week, but it was a birdie fest. So if you can come in fourth place at one birdie fest, you can come in fourth place at another birdie fest. I don't mind C.T. Pan this week. Now, the 7K chalk this week, I'm expecting it to be Carson Young and Dylan Wu. I mean, what's not to like about both these guys? I, you know, with my motto being bet on talent, I think they're both talented. Carson Young had the ability to just go absolutely nuclear and win a U.S. Open qualifier a few weeks back. His recent form tends to be looking upward. I think he should be much more expensive, like $7,500 on DraftKings. Um, and so I do think Carson Young's going to be very popular. Dylan Wu just kind of, you know, coming off of two missed cuts. But I don't think people are going to be afraid to go back to him because, again, I just think he's one of the best best golfers in the field and he has these weeks where he's really good on approach and that's going to be the main question that's going to be asked of you this week is can you be good on approach he's also shown a lot of success at shorter golf courses like the honda classic like pebble beach um, like the american express so i think a lot of people are going to be going to dylan Wu this week now heading down to the 6k range well, I'm sorry, 7K and below, I should say. There's a lot of unknown entities. And it starts with Aaron Cockerell. He has five straight top 21 finishes on the DP World Tour. I kind of had this logic with Adrian Moronk. If you can finish well on that tour, you can finish well in this field. So um, definitely don't mind going to him. Sam Bennett, who... Um, 
you know, made the cut at the Memorial last week. He was the darling of the Masters as the low amateur. Uh, he was ranked a little bit behind Ludwig Auberg in the NCAA rankings, if that tells you how good Ludwig Auberg is. But I don't mind going back to Sam Bennett. I think that, you know, he kind of faded a little bit over the weekend at the Memorial. But, hey, making the cut there is an accomplishment. And at $6,900, that's really all you're asking of him, you know, in a DraftKings contest. Calum Tarn is a guy who, you know, he just has these good rounds and then has these bad rounds. And if he can ever piece four rounds together in one week, he can be pretty dangerous. Jake Knapp at $6,500 on DraftKings is a Corn Ferry Tour player who has been playing great. Now, what I really do like about that is that Corn Ferry Tour setups are usually birdie fests. And so that kind of would seem to figure into, you know, being a factor this week, right? If this week going to be a birdie fest. Now, there are three dart throws way down the board that I probably won't have a lot of this week, but I definitely think they're worth mentioning. That's Austin Cook, David Lingberth, and Russell Knox. They're all guys who do their best work at shorter courses, and approach is the kind of the best you know piece of their game. So I, I kind of think they're worth mentioning, but not guys that I'm going to be playing a lot of. And really only there that if you need to get super aggressive and you want to go for three of the top 10 guys and you want to kind of balance out your build after that, you can go all the way down to Cook, Lingmurth, or Knox and have a little bit of salary left to work with. All right, that does it for the value section. So let's go ahead and take a quick breather and then let's talk about some one and done action. All right, really quickly, I do have to shout out my buddy Jacob. He had Victor Hovland last week in my one and done, which shot him up the leaderboard quite a lot. What I'm noticing this season is just how much the elevated events matter for one and dones, just because you're getting substantially more money for the elevated events than you are a non-elevated event, which leads me to my next point of discussion. This is not an elevated event this week. So personally, I would not play Rory. Yes, he's the two-time defending champion of this event, but it's not an elevated event. I would much rather play Rory down the line at one of the other elevated events or maybe at the Open Championship, maybe at the U.S. Open, maybe at a FedEx Cup playoff event, which he's been dynamite at in his career. So, you know, just kind of a pass this week for Rory. Now, might he be a contrarian play if you're chasing? Possibly. But you're not going to get that much money out of it, even if you do get it right. Now, the popular plays this week, Corey Connors is probably going to be the most popular. It is the Canadian Open, so you know he's got that personal point of pride, um, and he's you know pretty near the top of the betting board. And I would say at this point in the season, it's pretty likely that the other guys near the top have been used by a lot of people in your one and dones. I think if you still have Tyrrell Hatton, I think this is a great spot for him. Same goes for Sam Burns as well. I don't really see spots down the road where I'm thinking that I got to save either of them two for, um, so I would not mind going with either Burns or Hatton. I also think that the trio of Fleetwood, Rose, and Lowry are great plays as well. I have played at least two of those guys uh, in both of my one and dones though. Um, I was on Lowry at the Honda Classic, and I was on Fleetwood at the Valspar, and I believe I went to Rose in one of the one and dones for the Colonial. Um, and so I don't have much of them left, but if you have either of those trio of you know British Isles golfers, um, I think that they're a pretty good plays in one and done as well. Now, the two guys that I would prefer to leave this week and just kind of save them for later is Sahith Thagawa and Cam Young. Sahith, I could see down the road being at one of these summer events like the 3M Open or um, you know the John Deere Classic as a favorite in like a weak field. And so I'm kind of like hoping that situation pans out for him. Um, same kind of goes for Cam Young, but I would really like to see better 
better form for Cam Young. Like, uh, I just want to see um, him play better before I play him in a one-and-done format, right? Now, if you're looking to go further down the board, maybe go a little bit contrarian. Matt Kuchar, Keith Mitchell, Adam Svensson, they all make good plays to me if you are trying to gain ground um, or if you're trying to be a little contrarian. I think Joseph Bramlett is probably the farthest down the board I would think about going, but that's like getting super, super aggressive. So um, anyway, let's kind of summarize that. Hatner Burns, great plays. Fleetwood, Rose, Lowry, also great plays if you still have them. Save Sahith and Cam Young. Kucher, Mitchell, Svensson, those are your contrarian plays for the week in one and done. All right, so there you have it, guys. That does the 30-minute comprehensive preview of the RBC Canadian Open 2023. Whether you are playing DFS, whether you are betting, whether you are playing one and done, whether you are doing drafts or prop bets, hopefully that got you covered. If you are doing drafts or prop bets, I recommend that you do them on Underdog. Use the promo code on my Twitter profile at Mike's Money Picks um, to find the promo code um, and use that to get your first deposit matched up to $100. I highly recommend it. Underdog's been a lot of fun. I've been having a lot of success doing drafts on there just with kind of knowing how to stack waves and knowing how to you know kind of use player takes to your advantage so um definitely recommend getting on underdog and also recommend subscribing to the podcast feed if you like what you're hearing um we are going to be dropping more season-long nfl fantasy football content coming your way this week and next week we've got the rookie rankings we've got the top five best ball strategies we've got the top 20 on the big board um already for the 2023 season up so if you're interested in listening to that check it out on the podcast feed and also last thing guys please rate and review i used to always like think like like wonder why all podcasters used to say that, but I really do promise it helps me out a lot. So if you want to help me out, please rate and review the podcast. All right, that does it, guys. Um, that does it for the RBC Canadian Open this week. We will be back next week big time for the U.S. Open at Los Angeles Country Club. Really looking forward to that. Um, so best of luck to you this week. Hopefully the information that you got on this podcast is going to help you win some money this week, no matter what it is that you're playing. Hopefully I helped you out. Best of luck to you. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next time. Mm-hmm.